0: Alrighty, righty, welcome back to the Thundercast. Christian Esparza, Parker Haney, and Hayden Coombs. Returning for another episode today, we are going to go over the end of SEU men's basketball. Finally over the season, um, I don't know why I say finally. It's not like I was looking forward to it, but <laughs> they lost in the basketball classic. We'll go over their last week. Uh, they won last week's matchup against UTEP, uh, 82-69. to That game will forever be known as the Nick Fleming game. He had 15 of his team-high 18 points in the first half. Nick scored or assisted on seven straight baskets. Uh, that led the Thunderbirds to a double-digit run, and that's what helped them win the game. They followed that win up with a quarterfinal win over Portland in Cedar City, um, and then they lost the other day in uh, at Fresno State, right? Yeah. Ah, oh, man. I I really thought they were going to win it for a second. Like, after that UTEP game, I was like.
1: Well, we just got a crappy draw because the other side of the bracket was Southern Alabama and uh, the Chanticleers. Chanticleers? Chanticleers.
2: Come on. Put some respect on on Coastal Carolina. (laughs) They
1: beat beat BYU. That's why I needed to know. Who won that game? It was an
2: overtime victory. It was Coastal Carolina. For Coastal Coastal Carolina, and it was played out. Their
1: home, yeah. So the, the that's the home that's where the championship games. That's where the championships play too. So it's going to be. Fred that's what they were saying on the broadcast. Coastal. I don't know why. Interesting. I don't know why Coastal Carolina gets the championship, but must have been he, the higher seed. You think their court is teal as well? Could be. That would be trippy.
0: Do we know when that game? I guess it's kind of that's like a Memphis school season. I'd go work
2: out in a second. Chanticleers? <laughs> yeah, they yeah, got. That'd be sick. They got good money. They support their their athletic, uh, which Carolina athletic are departments. They, uh, South. Oh yeah. Nice. My least favorite of the two Carolinas, but also my second favorite of the two Carolinas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Close second. Do we know when that game is? Is it? I think it's uh Friday? Thursday. Thursday.
2: The best boiled peanuts I have ever had I was just driving along. Peanuts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> just say it a little clearer next time. The best bald peanuts, as they say, <laughs> in yes. South Carolina. Uh I was driving along with my family, pulled over at a random gas station and they just some dude just chilling in front of the gas station selling regular and selling cajun. Did I you never put them had, in coke? I never had boiled peanuts before, but I bought them and they were
1: delicious. Nice. So the best boiled peanuts you've um, ever had and the only boiled peanuts you've ever No, I've had, had them since. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was <laughs> best my favorite ever had and my, my second favorite <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs>
2: Thing is, second favorite Carolina is still like top two Carolina. My of first time. favorite Utah is still still <laughs> coming in above Utah. Is what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, you guys. That there's some things I have to keep from my students. You Duke Carolina like, Hayden is one. You well, like, there are very,
0: hotel room so see <laughs>
1: there are right very minimal <laughs> things that you keep from us. So that means that this is it's bad. It gets bad. I'm not. I'm
2: not proud of who I become yeah. when Duke loses to North Carolina. It's like a combination of like, oh, I'm saying like last game. Yeah. (laughs) Who's the other side of the story? I'm just like pissed the entire time. And then, like, when it's like sealed, I know it's going to happen. I get real sad and I'm like, Summer, I need you. And she has to come and sit by me and hold my hand. That's me
0: every Sunday with the Broncos, though. Like, not even going to lie. So much pain. So let's start off by talking about John Knight. No offense. (laughs) 20 (laughs) minutes
2: later, let's start.
0: SUU basketball podcast. (laughs) Uh,
1: this is the Thundercast. It's all SU sports. All right, 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 SU right,
2: sports, right. all boiled peanuts, all, all day long. All Duke. Baby. All day
1: long.
0: Let's talk about the men's season, I guess, in review. Um, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to sit down and think about this, but, I mean, obviously coming in, we were expecting a championship, whether it was a regular season or the Big Sky tournament, and that didn't happen. Then they got the opportunity to play again in the Basketball Classic. Which is cool, but in retrospect, I mean, the rest of the season, it's like,
1: I guess it's fair to say that they did fall short of expectations, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was just going to ask. I think the question we need to talk about is, are we disappointed with how the season went?
0: I mean, when we had D Barnes on here, Debo, on right towards the beginning of the basketball season, I mean, he was telling us from the team's perspective, like, that's what their goal was, like... They had unfinished business. That was a whole thing over the all the whole off season was uh unfinished business. We gotta come back. We gotta win the big sky tournament and then that
1: doesn't happen.
0: My, they it, don't they don't even sniff the final Yeah, no,
1: in my in my season preview with Todd, I mean, I was like, What are the expectations for this season? And he said the big sky will always be a one bid league one bid league and we're looking to go dancing, right? Like that that is straight up what he told me. And so I think even in the eyes of of the head coach, I think it was a disappointing season, which I guess, you know, maybe things changed for Todd as the season went on and, you know, realized that the team wasn't exactly what we were expecting it to be. And now, right, we're looking at different expectations, but I still think that ultimately we came up short of, of where kind of everybody thought we were going to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had Tev, uh, first team, all big sky last season, preseason MVP, Um, John Knight finished this year, first team all Big Sky. Obviously, Mason is a great player. Dre's a great player. Like, you've got probably five of the top 20 players in the Big Sky on this roster. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it sucks when Tev goes down right before the tournament. But I don't think, I don't know, it's tough because I don't want to sit there and say, like, yeah, I am disappointed. But at the same time, like, thinking back to how we felt after that, Tournament game against Portland State, like that sucked, man.
1: Yeah, I kind of am really glad that we had this little postseason run. Yeah, it was, and that cool. we won some tournament games, and because I think it just helped everybody feel better about the situation. Because I completely agree. If we have, if we ask that same question immediately following the Portland State loss, it's so obvious that it's a disappointment, oh, right? No but now we won some postseason games, and like, I guess we're somewhat ending. On a good note, you know, we didn't play great against Fresno State, but also Fresno State played out of their mind. But, you know, I feel like we're somewhat ending on a positive note of, yeah, I mean, this team that has been the backbone of of Todd Simon's career here thus far, you know, won some games in the postseason and had a 23-win season, which is just awesome, you know. So I I, I still think it is disappointing. but
0: Yeah, and the tournament too gave us some great – performances we can talk about dre in the first round had a career night
1: dre marine was shooting over 70 percent from three in the tournament oh yeah he was phenomenal
0: across three games across three, those three, three
1: games, games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he went cold against fresno state but i mean it was it was incredible like it just yeah. felt like everything he was tossing towards the hoop was going in it was Plus awesome we got Fun two to home postseason games yeah, absolutely and i that's mean that's sick. yeah that's that you know, mean. you have the senior night, and it all feels so surreal, and you're celebrating with the guys and whatever, and they're all celebrating and loving each other. And then you get to come back and, and win two more games at home. Like, it's just awesome. Yeah. Felt like the vibe with the team was pretty solid. Felt like they were all happy, all loving each other, at least the last time, you know, they played at home. Right. Once again, the Fresno State game wasn't exactly something to be happy about, but.
0: So I guess what we can do, we can do kind of what we did for the women's basketball team um, and do some superlatives. Uh, I don't have anything in front of me, so this is kind of just freestyling off the dome. Um, but let's go through that. First, we'll start off with... Uh,
1: yeah, let's just do gut reaction. Yeah, gut reaction. All biggest three of us.
0: Biggest surprise of the season. Do we have anything out that jumps? I'd say initially, no, I'll save that for later.
1: Biggest surprise. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you need to ask what all the questions are. because so we'll Are we going to do biggest surprise and biggest disappointment? Yeah,
0: biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and then just probably team MVP. That's what we did for women's, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Biggest surprise, I think we'll go with Jason Spurgeon. Yeah, he's an interesting one because since the
2: moment he stepped foot on campus, right. they've been telling us, this dude's going to be the best player. This dude's going to go down as one of the best players in program history. This is our guy. If this was a kid from Utah, we would never have a shot at him, right? And then we didn't really see much of him at all last year, and he turns out to be exactly that guy that they are saying.
0: Like, And it took a couple weeks, too. I mean, I remember yeah. after the first few games, like, we were talking about Man, maybe we didn't uh, yeah, uh, we didn't, didn't, didn't appreciate Yvonne enough. Yeah, right. Spurge didn't look very good defensively. He didn't look as dominant in the paint as we had seen him during all the practices. Like maybe Spurge isn't gonna be as good as everybody says. But then midway through the season about I mean, especially over the last few games, Spurge was I felt like when like we got into conference play,
1: felt like he was he really felt yeah. like the games mattered and it and it just looked like they mattered to him. I, I, it's hard for me to say the biggest surprise because like Hayden was just saying, we almost expected Everybody it. Right. Been, yeah. yeah. It's, it's what we wanted to see. And so I guess it was surprising in that, like we hadn't seen it yet and now we did, but like, I mean, yeah, cause I.
2: Biggest surprise for me will be the fact that Todd kind of went back. Coach Simon kind of went back to his, his seven man rotation. Yeah. Um, I think one of our biggest strengths coming into this year, at least what we all thought, was that. Well, and they had told us too that, yeah, yeah, not not what we, we thought,
1: what they thought as well. That's what Todd said in mm-hmm. his season preview. Again, he he was like, we have nine different guys, who nine guys that can play, and yeah,
2: and we saw six, seven
0: on any given night. There were so, literally games when there were only 6 dudes that played. Yeah, that
2: was really surprising to me um because I I I just expected to see a d- bigger bench. I expected to see us press a whole lot more. Yeah. Um and and we just we didn't. We kind of went back to to what worked for us last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously they had a very successful season, so it worked for them again this year. Yeah. But that was a, a huge surprise for me that yeah,
1: But yeah, it felt like we didn't reach our potential, right? It didn't yeah. reach that we, I mean, we obviously didn't win the Big Sky, and so I felt like we didn't reach our full potential that we could have. Because that's a great point, right? Like, of if you have nine guys that can play, press the entire game. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many layups you give; it will make everybody uncomfortable. Look at what Portland State did. Exactly. Portland State presses all game, and they don't have nearly the talent that we have. Mm-mm. You know, like if we just, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, and that, and that was super surprising. The one that I just thought of was, was. Harrison Butler, I feel like, mm. again, Ray it's another one, yeah, it's another one that like wasn't necessarily surprising because we've seen him do it before. But yeah. it had been three years since he had performed the way that he did. I mean, he had some unreal games that that just looked like, you know, the Harry, a Harry that we'd never seen. It looked like he was smarter, he was more efficient, he was uh, just a, just a really good player. I hope I hope he comes back and plays another year with us. But
0: it was fun, man. Like he'd literally come in off the bench and you could just feel the impact right away yeah and mm-hmm. he'd come in he'd hit a big three you know he'd make a nice layup under the back have an and one or yeah, yeah. have an and one a or lot of get different block defensively like he literally did it all and he just brought such a good energy off the bench and then you know most of the games he was one of the dudes to finish
1: the game and that's yeah that's that's right it's not know, it's like, not about who, who the starts the games trust. it's about you know who plays the clutch minutes? Who's in and, there and, in the last three minutes? Yeah,
2: and going back to kind of like I was saying, biggest surprise, Todd, kind of leaning into what he did last year. We really had six starters, yeah. and that was one of our biggest strengths. Right? We have six guys that, on any given night, are your best player instead of instead of your five. So, um, that uh, that that's, it's just the
0: beauty of having Harrison Barnes or Harrison Barnes, <laughs> Harrison wish.
2: Butler on the team.
0: I don't. But, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't take an NBA player on my mid-major team. <laughs> hey, no Fringe NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to biggest, Champion, we'll go to dis- biggest oh, geez, disappointment next. I think for me, biggest disappointment, and this one feels a little hard to say, but I'm going to go Tevian Jones. Um, and when I say hard to say, like, there was about a three-week period where I think he was almost averaging – like 18 and 10, or 18 and 9, or something like that, over a three week period. But
1: I think it was over 20 because he had that 37 piece, yeah. 36 point game. Like he
0: just went on an absolute tear at the beginning of conference play. But I mean, still a disappointment as far as you look at first team all big sky last year, preseason MVP, and then he finishes the season as big sky all conference third team. Which isn't horrible by any means, but I mean he was lauded as being the premier player in the big sky conference.
1: Yeah, it's one of those tough ones that it's only a disappointment because the expectations were so high. Because the expectations were so high, right? If right. He, yeah. If he didn't have the season that he had last year and if he didn't if he didn't win all those awards and get predicted as the preseason MVP, I feel like we would have been okay with the season that he had. Yeah. Um but I think it's because we kind of expected him to average 18 and 10. Yeah, I mean, at least I did, right? It it totally felt like that's the type of player that he was going to be. And I'm not saying that he can't still be that player, but I think that at least me personally, I felt like I put this unrealistic expectation on him of like, he's just going to take over every game. He's going to be the best player on the floor every time he's out there. And I just, I don't know if that was a fair expectation of, of him. And so, yeah, it, it probably was disappointing, but like, in reality i i mean i don't know what he finished what he ended up averaging i think it was like
0: 14.8 points i uh, I don't know how many rebounds
1: 15 and 6 or something like that and you know maybe that's just maybe that's just what it was you know and i yeah so i guess it is disappointing still but i think it's just because we set ourselves up to be disappointed right
2: right i think uh the the big sky is just so weird when it comes to to trying to predict how things are gonna shake out. Like two years ago, Kyle Owens looked like he was gonna be the premier player in the big sky up at Montana. Yeah, and this year he played like two minutes a game yeah. and is in the transfer portal now. Like, how many times have we seen someone you know look like the next big thing in the big sky and they? fall out of the rotation or just become a bit player. So it's hard for me to say like, ah, I'm so disappointed in Tev's season because he still was our leading scorer. Mm, We still were one of the best teams in the conference. And uh he's he had like he started slow, but he had that stretch where he was like thirty two points, twenty points, twenty four points, eighteen points, twenty nine points, you know? Um like versus like last year Like, I already mentioned Kyle Owens, Jacob Davison from Eastern Washington. He was preseason player of the year, and he was, like, their seventh, eighth man at Eastern Washington by the end of the year. It's just so hard to predict. It's so So, hard to
0: sustain success.
2: Yeah, and like you guys said, I think it was more like us projecting that stuff on him. Mm. Um, But... I mean, obviously, for me, my biggest disappointment is that SU didn't go to the big dance. Right. All of our our preseason and early season analysis, all the pods, all the interviews you guys did with Coach said, the season will be a disappointment if we're not playing in the NCAA tournament. And we didn't. So it is a bit of a disappointment to see such a a talented team, such a senior-laden team, not reach their ultimate goal and right and really for the most of the season not play as good as they did last year
1: yeah and it was the, like I, when i look, think back on it i think that the only game that i really thought we played as well as we could was when we played dixie state at home mm. that was and we game. looked unbelievable and we beat them by like forty. Second like
2: half were, versus montana we looked really good
0: yeah yes that's what I was yes. thinking, too. Like, even in some of our wins, it was like, yeah, we won, but I still feel like that was – Almost bad. every
2: single we game – down to the, uh, the, the other team's talent level a ton.
1: Yeah, almost every single game we had under six points by the first TV timeout. It, yeah. we, we just – it took us so long to get going. It felt like – yeah, it felt like it was kind of just dragging. I, I really think that the expectation of, of last season – and then coming into this season really weighed on this team. Yeah. And I think weighed on the coaching staff as well.
0: For an entire year, I mean, it's so hard to basically – I mean, if you're serious about this stuff, like you're thinking about that every single day from the end of last April until, you know, the regular season yeah.
1: starts. When we talked about it with Coach Simon too, like it's hard for him to understand that he has nine guys that can play – over 10 minutes a game because no coach has ever had that type of that type of flexibility. Yeah. Right. And so for coach Simon, like, and and this, I, you know, I have no information on this, but I can totally understand how he just got overwhelmed with one, the pressure of feeling like you have to make it to the big dance. And then two, the pressure of knowing that you're not getting the best out of this team. Yeah. Because look at how many guys you have. You've No coach has ever had to work with that deep of a roster. It's a hard thing to do. It's a completely different coaching style from what he's done his whole life, and it's kind of hard to Mm -hmm. to figure it out just to switch up your style because you have this team that is so deep. Like it's it's definitely a weird thing to do. I give him a little bit of slack there because yeah, you think about going into it, and and it's like the same. It's the same thing in the NBA. As soon as you get to the playoffs, your rotation tightens. It's seven to eight people, right? And that's kind of what all coaches feel because you have more control over the game that way right. when you're only having to coach seven people. When you have nine guys, it's it's just a completely different game to coach that way, and it's it's hard. And I, f- and I can totally understand if you felt that pressure of, again, last season's expectations and then coming into this year expecting to go mm-hmm. to the dance and then also feeling like you have to get the most out of this team. It's, it's
0: hard. Yeah, It's just yeah. hard. It's not even just the pure depth, but it's like, you look at the top end talent that they have. I mean, four career one thousand point scorers at SEU. Yeah, that's never going to happen again. Like I'm willing to put money on that. Yeah, to have four right, players on one like on a, one team on one, one. team. Yeah. yeah, in one starting lineup. I mean, you look at and everybody, even coaches from other teams, talk about the legacies that Dre and John have in the Big Sky. Yeah, and then you still got Harry and Mays.
1: Like, my goodness, like you <laughs> you realistically have probably five guys on this team that could take over 10 shots a game. Yeah. yeah. And that you could specifically draw a play up for and and they'll go get you a bucket. Yeah. How are you supposed to coach like that? That's so hard. Yeah. When you have five different guys that you could draw a play for. It just is yeah, it just is a hard thing well, to do.
2: And in a lot of a lot of times this season I thought back to Pat Riley's book that he wrote after uh he was kind of run out of L.A. and ended up in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, he called it the the disease of many. Yeah, right. Of was, more,
1: huh? Of more. Right?
2: That's what Bill Simmons calls it. Oh. The disease of more. But in in the book, Pat Riley calls it the disease oh, of many. Gotcha. Where like, when a team wins and has that success, um, it's not even like guys are being selfish. But like, yeah. everyone wants a little bit more. Everyone wants a little bit bigger role. Everyone wants a few more shots, right? And it takes those guys being super humble uh, to really be able to have that sustained excellence. That's why every year
0: we have a new NBA champion, right? Yep, and it changes your entire mindset. Like, yeah. You don't have the right mindset as far as your preparation goes. Well, that's
2: one of the reasons why I've been so impressed with, like, the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Yep. You don't see the the complaining, but also they've moved a few things around where maybe they still do have some guys that are hungry that, that just want more. But uh, they uh, – I I worried about that this year with this team, right? Like guys who were willing to sit last year were not willing to sit this year. Mm. Guys who were excited about you know being part of the journey, being high energy guys, maybe not being willing to do that this year because they wanted their shot, and you can't fault them for that. Yeah. Um, the the other the but other, I thought about that a ton this year. Yeah. Is it just because you know we we obviously had you know on any given night who's going to be our leader? Tevian Jones or John Knight III, yeah. right? John Knight III is getting more shots, getting more opportunities. Maybe Tevian is the better talent, but also our offense is kind of set up around John. Yeah, you have Spurgeon who's
1: emerging and who probably should be touching the ball at least once every possession.
2: Yeah, and he's clearly got to be the guy moving forward. And maybe he should have been a little more this year. Yeah, and that doesn't even mention three one thousand point scorers and Dre Mason, Harry. Right, you have Nick, who came off the bench was and had like beat Montana twice last yeah. year, and came off the bench this year in the the basketball classic and won us a game. Yep. You have Marquise, who had minutes, had moments last year, had moments this year. Moody, who shoots D,
1: typically over forty five percent. You
2: have Moody, you have all of these guys. Like, what do you do with all of that? Yeah. Yeah. that is such like it's a good problem to have, but also. In a lot of ways, it's not because that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a hard problem to thing, deal with. You need problem. two or three guys to humble themselves and say, "Okay, I'll wait till next year." And obviously, this wouldn't happen were it not for the COVID year, right? Yeah, this was the most historically old and experienced year in the NCAA all across that the we've ever had NCAA. in the history, right? And so it was just a really almost like bad and inconvenient time for SCU to peak.
1: Yeah, that the funny thing about that too, the flip side of it is that it's not necessarily a bad mindset to have, right? The disease of many, it's like, you
2: want your guys
1: to, you want your guys to fight and to be excited, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to teach them that, you know, maybe that's not the best thing. It's not what we need right now. It's a hard mindset to, to get out of, right? Because if you're a, if you're a role player guy, right? Like I think about it with the bucks, right? So say that I don't know, Brooke Lopez thinks that he needs to take more shots. And it's like, no, Giannis needs to sit him down and be like, Hey, you're best when you're doing this, when you're getting rebounds, when you're like this. But Not in Brook Lopez's best is, but team's best. Yeah. When mm-hmm. you're look when when you're in Brook Lopez's mindset, you're like, No, I can help the team best by doing this. I can add my game I can add to my game and and, and now start doing this. But and that's not a bad mindset to have, right? Like, you should want to get better. Well, there's just But great, when you when you look at it in the grand yep. scheme of things, it's like, no, actually, humble yourself. You're really good at what you're doing right now. I know that you want to get better, but, like, for the team to succeed, this is the best thing that we can be doing.
2: Well, there's that article that just got written um, about Bobby Portis. Yep. Dude has been starting for one of the two, three best teams in the NBA all season. Brook Lopez comes back, and what does he immediately say? I just want to do what's going to help us win. Yeah, Doesn't matter if I start or not. Doesn't matter if I play 20 minutes or 24 minutes, 30 minutes. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I just want to win another championship. I don't know if we had those guys this year. Right. You know? And And again, yeah. In a lot of ways, the guys that maybe were willing to do that were the ones that have already done that over the years. Yeah. Mason should probably be playing more than he does. Harry should be playing more than he does. Right. You can't ask those guys to take any more of a step back because already they already have. And quite frankly, we don't want those guys to be the ones yeah. to do it.
1: We need them on the court. So, Dude, both of them could be pushing 2,000 career points if they played yeah. like, yeah, if they took the amount of shots that they probably should have taken. Kind of goes back to what we were just saying. It's hard for a coach to to figure out how to, you know, I guess we're not breaking any new ground here. It's hard for a coach to figure out how to make his team win but it's just it's difficult when you have this many guys that can play over 20 minutes a game. Yep. Yeah. And can take that many shots. I guess that's the other that's the other piece of it is that you have guys like I was saying that could reasonably average over 10 attempts a game. And they're probably You just don't, have that, ma- you just don't have that you just don't have that many hands. attempts a game, right? Like you just yeah. don't get that many looks in a college game.
0: So let's yeah. uh move to just the final category I guess. We'll go team MVP here. Um it's hard cuz I feel like lots of dudes obviously had really high highs and some of them had really low lows. So that kind of leads me to picking Mason Fawcett as my team MVP cuz I concerned. feel like out of the entire lineup Mason was one of the most consistent players on the team. Yeah.
2: He's our best player on it more often than not. Yeah. Um and, and he does so much that doesn't show up in the oh my in gosh. the box score. Yeah. He
0: He'll, boxes out. he'll box out three dudes at once. Yeah. He, like
1: makes, he makes everybody look so much better. Yeah. Which is, I think, what the most valuable player
0: needs of, to be. Exactly. Yeah. He's When you
2: look at most valuable player, he raises everybody else's talent. Yes. Level. Yes. You could, I mean, and we saw it at the end of the year. We had to go games without John that we still won. We had yeah. to go games without Tev that we still won. Right. And not saying May's playing injured versus Fresno State was the reason we lost because Fresno State looked. Amazing,
1: but amazing well, didn't even play that bad.
2: Maybe the if we got Mason at full strength, where he's not nursing a messed up shoulder, yeah, who knows? Game goes what a little could different. They um, get a few
1: less offensive rebounds. I just
2: think you you can remove any player from our team, and we still win twenty games. Other than Mason Fawcett, yeah. you take Mason off, and I think this team struggles to win seventeen games.
1: Right? I, I think the easiest way to put it is that. Mason was probably the only guy on our team that, and again, this is just me speculating. I felt like Mason was the only guy on our team that was defense first. Mm-hmm. right. So you can remove any other player because all of those other players thought offense first. And I feel like if you take, Mason away. I guess maybe with the exception with the exception of Nick. Nick always came in and gave us good defensive minutes. But like, if you take Mason away, I felt like our defense crumbles. Man, I mean, he was a great communicator. He's the one on the back line, right? He's talking to everybody. He's he's very vocal. He's always in the right spot. He's stepping over, and then again, like we were saying, boxing out so somebody else can grab a rebound. You know, like he just yeah he was he was a what's a very valuable player, which is yeah. what the MVP is, and I think yeah. that.
0: What's so impressive to me about Mason? I mean, he comes in; he, he'll give you thirty-five to forty minutes a, a night, and very, very seldom are those bad minutes. Like any, he hardly gives you any bad minutes. Whenever yeah. he's on the court, he is going all out hustle, and that's what I love. Yeah, so you want
1: to know what's funny? It's probably his worst game of the year was Portland State, and he was probably the best player on our team. Right? He <laughs> right. still gave us fifty <laughs> points, and he was probably that was probably one of his worst games. Yeah. Which shows how bad the rest of the team played, but and then you can obviously you know you can get an offensive, offensive yeah, yeah. MVP I mean, right because when you just look at everything else, then
0: John was still first team All Big Sky. Yeah,
1: then you're bringing J.K. in, and yeah. Tev was obviously unbelievable, and Dre was really good at times, like we saw at the postseason. But
0: yeah, I think Mason's a great choice. Um, yeah, me too. So now that uh, all of basketball is over, the Thundercast will focus more on. I guess softball. once Because yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Soccer. soccer does have a spring season, huh? So that's what we'll go over the close weeks of the uh, the Thundercast. Can I
2: tell you guys something real quick?
0: Yeah, real quick.
2: <laughs> um, shout out Bryson Lester at the Big Sky headquarters. Um, great friend to SU, former uh, SUU uh, student and University Journal uh, EIC. Um, he uh Big Sky tweeted out like their schedule for Big Sky spring football start dates. Oh yeah. And I looked at it and I sat there and looked at it for like two minutes p- trying to figure out why SCU wasn't on the <laughs> schedule. <laughs> and I was like, Oh. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not part of the Big Sky anymore. You know
0: what's so funny is I saw the same thing and I was just like, Oh, he didn't put Big Sky because they already started. <laughs> yeah. No. I didn't even realize like Duh. Football's <laughs> done with the Big Sky, right? And we
1: got to go follow all the wax. And,
2: and good for them because they still are tweeting about John, right? In in, in the three uh, three, the three, 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 on three on three, they're still talking about like all the sports that like are concluding, wrapping up. We're still part of the Big Sky, yeah. But it did sting a little bit when I looked at that, and I was like, "Oh, right, we're hmm. all right. 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 Well, we're
0: part of the Big Sky until July." First. Not football. <laughs> <laughs> they kicked us out. They couldn't wait to get us off that graphic. Oh, that's so funny. Cool. Well will uh, stay tuned to the Thundercast for all things SEU sports and we'll catch you next week.